Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, beautiful mummers. Today, I want to share with you a podcast interview that means so much to me. As many of you would know, 11 years ago, I became a mum. And in that moment, I now understand there was a split within me, a split between the part of me that had great dreams and great ambitions and great independence and a vision for what my life looked like. And the mother, the nurturer, the carer, the woman who was born in that moment also, who suddenly questioned all of that vision and ambition, who suddenly wasn't sure she wanted all of that anymore. And it was that split in that instant of becoming a mother that I have been trying to understand for 11 years. As I record this introduction, I'm actually in the United States. I have been on my own, away from my family, for the first time in 11 years. I have now been on my own for more than eight days. And over these eight days, I have really begun to understand that at the core of it, I have been trying to figure out that split for all of this time. How can we be, as women, the massive contradiction of wanting to do what we feel like we're here to do, to follow our own path, to be creative and successful and ambitious and see the world, as well as be there for our children at the school gates, tuck them into bed at night, read them stories, hold their hands, put the band-aids on, all of it. That is what the Happy Mama movement is really about. At the start of this year, I came across an amazing program, a mentorship program with two of the United States' most successful female speakers and teachers. One was Marcy Shimoff, who is the co-creator and author of Chicken Soup for a Woman's Soul and has been an enormously successful number one New York Times bestseller. And the second mentor within this program was Deborah Poneman. It was only when I heard Deborah's story, which you are about to hear in this podcast, that I decided to sign up for this program. I heard her speak about that split that I now understand happens when we become mothers in a way that I had never heard anyone speak about it before. Here was the example that I have been searching for for so many years. A woman who is doing her life's work, but also was able to fully be present with her children. 
here was the role model that I had been searching for. And then just over a month ago, in a conversation with Deborah, she said something to me which changed everything. This one simple sentence she said as we were talking and acknowledging how difficult it was to be both the mother and the change maker. She said to me, Amy, your Dharma will wait for you. Dharma, meaning purpose, what I'm here to do, what I feel like my soul's purpose is. That is my Dharma. And mamas, our Dharma will wait for us. We can be the mother we want to be and still fulfill that part of our lives that we want to. This interview brought so many tears to my eyes. You will hear in my voice how much I struggled to not cry as I spoke to Deborah. It is my hope that it connects with you in the same way. Because mamas, our dharma will wait for us. is the Happy Mama Movement, a weekly podcast dedicated to changing the conversation about what it means to be a mother and a woman in this day and age. I'm Amy Taylor Cabaz, author, mama and former journalist. After spending 15 years chasing news and burning myself out trying to be superwoman, I realized that I was chasing a dream that no longer served me and since then have dedicated myself to understanding the transition that we go through as women when our whole identity shifts with motherhood. Every week I will bring you the very best insights and inspiration I can find to help us all change the way we feel about this time in our lives and create a movement that allows us to honor motherhood differently. Deborah, thank you so much for making time to speak to my beautiful mama audience. I so appreciate it. Well, I so appreciate you inviting me and any chance to spend time with you makes me very happy. (laughs) Ditto. So let's start right back at the beginning. You've had an amazing career. You have helped thousands upon thousands of people around the world. Let's go back to how that began and how you first started your company. Okay. Well, it actually started uh, when I was 18 years old and I began to meditate. I actually learned the Transcendental Meditation Program. And after about a year of meditating, it made such a profound impact on my life that I decided I wanted to become a meditation teacher. So off I went at 19 and I studied with Maharishi Mahashogi and I became a teacher of Transcendental Meditation. And for about the next 10 years, I was fully immersed in the transcendental meditation world. But when I was about to, I was pushing 30 and I thought, you know what, 
woman does not live by mantra alone. And I need to make a little money. I need to get a car insurance and health insurance, maybe a car to insure. So I decided that I was going to leave the meditation community I was living in. And I was going to go to Los Angeles because that's where I thought I would make money. So I got a job selling investments. And you know the expression, we make plans and God laughs. Well, God mm -hmm. had a big laugh over me making money when I uh, went to LA to sell investments because I was a dismal failure. But oftentimes we, we think we're doing something for one reason, but God or the creator, God of your understanding has a different plan. So even though I was a failure at selling investments, one night my colleagues invited me to join them at a money seminar and I thought it was going to be about stocks and bonds when in fact it was kind of a new age type of a, a gathering where the gentleman who was leading the program was talking about the law of attraction and about how our mind creates our reality. And if we think thoughts of success and prosperity, we will draw success and prosperity to us no matter what our current financial situation. And if we think thoughts of, oh, I'm never going to be able to own a house, I can't pay the mortgage, I'll never get out of debt. No matter what our financial situation is, we will be drawing more of that into our lives. And he said so much more. One of the ways to become wealthy and successful is to help others become wealthy and successful. And by the law of reciprocity, it will come back to us. Well, I was so blown away by everything this gentleman was saying that the next morning I went and I quit my job selling investments, which people say, wow, you quit your job. Well, remember, I hadn't made one sale. So <laughs> I was... I was not a hero. And I started studying all of the great masters like Napoleon Hill and Wallace Waddles and Florence Scoville Shin. And I realized that there was this whole body of knowledge about how to use energy to create success. I thought it was just making wise investments, but it isn't that at all. You can, you can be attracted to wise investments if you use the power of your mind. And I studied for about six months and then I launched my Yes to Success seminar. And by the way, the reason why I had the confidence to do that is that I really believe that an idea comes to you because it wants to be manifested through you. That's why we all have different ideas. You have the idea to do this podcast. Somebody else has an idea to become a massage therapist, somebody else to open a pizza parlor, somebody else to give success seminars. And I believe that the creator whispers in our ear what the creation needs in order to keep it going on the highest level. Level. And if we don't listen to that whisper of the creator, then the creator is going to whisper it to somebody else. And we probably all had that experience where we mm. had a great idea, right? And mm. we never acted on it. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Right? And then somebody else did. And you're like, That's, well, that was my idea. That's right. You had first dibs, but you didn't act on it. So the creator gave it to somebody else because it needed at that time and the creator can't come down and and have a podcast for moms so the creator whispered this into your ear because it was needed at the time so uh, I got the whisper to teach success seminars and even though I was um, only 29 at the time I had no business experience. I drove a beat up um, 10 year old Chevy Bel Air that my aunt had left me when she had passed away and I was broke. 
I got the whisper to teach success seminars and I did it. And one of the thing I did is I didn't tell anybody what I was doing until I launched my seminar because I believe that when you have an idea, what is sacred, your idea is sacred, should be kept secret. And if you go around telling everybody what you're going to do, you're going to bump up against the discouragement committee. Those people are going to tell you all the reasons why your idea isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And so you want to keep your precious idea, that sacred secret. So um, the time came for me to have my first lecture. And I now went out and put up posters. That's what we did back 30 years, 30 plus years ago. I put up posters. Deborah Olson was my name at the time to give a lecture on how to say yes to success. And as soon as I put up the posters, the discouragement committee showed up. But I had made so much progress at that time that I couldn't turn around. I couldn't backpedal because the posters were all already up and the room was all already rented. And the end of the story is I walked into that room in Los Angeles. Well, it's in the, at the Santa Monica Public Library and there were standing room only. And even though the discouragement committee said, nobody's going to want to come to a lecture on how your mind creates your reality. That's ridiculous. But obviously people did. And within a few years, my seminars were, I was teaching them at major cities in the U.S. from coast to coast. And I had reps teaching my seminar on, um, in seven countries on four continents. And that was decades before the internet made international communication instantaneous. That was snail mail and phones <laughs> that were connected to the wall. And, um, but it was an idea whose time has come, had come, and um, and the rest was history. You know that thousands and thousands of people took my seminar, and some of today's most renowned um, transformational leaders were my students back in the eighties. Yes, I love that. You've had some very interesting people sit in those audiences who we all know now, but back then were learning it from you. They were my students. Yeah, like several people in the movie The Secret. I had taken my Yes to Success seminar and some people who even went on to become household names and many New York Times bestselling authors. And they say that they got their start from my Yes to Success seminar. So Deborah, this is where your story becomes really fascinating for me. When I first heard you tell this part of the story that you're about to share, it connected so instantly with me that I have to admit I immediately signed up to work with you because for many, many, many years, I have been trying to find examples, role models, women that I can talk to and learn from who have had an amazingly successful career and are doing things that are helping to change the world, but are also prioritizing motherhood. And I couldn't find that. I literally could not find that for many, many years. But this is what I love so much about your story because at the height of you traveling the world and having people run your trainings in other countries, you chose to stop, didn't you? I did. <laughs> and, and it's interesting, Amy, that you say I chose. And not only that, I had my Yes to Success book was in the hands of a major agent who already had garnered interest from several New York publishing houses. And I was in negotiations for my own daytime TV talk show. Oh, wow. And Yeah. And I 
you know, it's funny. And I remember the date. It was July 5th, 1988. And I just gave it up. I had the first infomercial in the history of infomercials to sell a uh, self-improvement product. I gave that up and the TV show and the book and the seminars and just cold turkey because that was the day that my daughter was born. Mm -hmm. And I took one look at her and I thought, you know, I teach people to follow the truth that resonates in their hearts. And my truth from that moment was that I didn't want to leave this child to go to the bathroom, let alone to go and do seminars in Singapore. So if I was going to be the teacher who lived the teaching, if I was going to really walk my talk, my career had to come to a screeching halt. So I put it all on hold and I became a full-time mom at home. And there I remained for 21 years. Actually, it's funny. I had the guy in Singapore who was going to set up some, um, a series of seminars for me in Southeast Asia. I remember he called me and he said, you know, we heard you had the baby. Come on, let's get the seminars on the book. And I had to, and I said to him, you know, his name is Chiang. I said, Chiang, you're going to have to call me back in 18 years, <laughs> which turned into 20 when, when my son was born. And people said to me, have you gone out of your mind? Because every goal had, that I set for myself was coming true. And I said, yeah, out of my mind and right into my heart. And I'll tell you, Amy, if we follow those impulses of our heart, we will always end up at our destination, even if it seems that our, that the, our mind says logically we should be going right, but our heart, our intuition says we should be going left. It makes no sense. I urge you to go left. And I promise you every dream you have, that's the direction to take to make them come true. I just, I can't hear that story without crying. And that's, I've heard it quite a few times now. And every time it just sends this wave of emotion through me because I think as mothers, we all know that feeling. But it is such a struggle to know. It's such a struggle to know whether, to know what to listen to because not all of us have the choice to be able to stop our career for 18 years. And not all of us can follow that instantly. But our heart is so attached to something completely new. It's such a hard thing to follow. Well, I want to make a few things really clear. One is that, again, people say, oh, you're a hero. You gave up your career. No, I'm not any kind of hero. First of all, I didn't have a choice. I was so freaking in love. But second of all, I had a wealthy husband. So <laughs> I could have the luxury of staying home and raising my kids. However, I don't say to every woman or every man in, in this case, in, in, you know, that they absolutely should stay home with their children, that it's the best thing for their children. That is simply not true because there are kids that were raised by aunties and foster parents and guardians and grannies and, and they turned out to be fabulous people. But it was me. It was, I just wanted to be home with my, with my daughter and then later my son. But I also have to make it really clear that, that I did not stay, stay home and sew my own clothes and churn butter. I mean, <laughs> I am not one of those kinds of moms. I don't, can't even sew on a 
button. I was, of course, the room mom and the holiday mom and the basketball mom and the soccer mom and all of those kinds of moms. But I also worked for nonprofits. I also started a little bit of a home-based business that was all about getting toxins out of your home so that our kids could have healthy existences and not be exposed to toxic household chemicals. But I think here is the key. When my kids came home from school, they got my full attention. I did what I was doing. And when they were little, when they were napping, when they went to bed at night, when I was with them, they got my full attention. And I'll tell you something. If there's any regret that I have, about hood, it's that when cell phones were invented, which I didn't have cell phones, uh, they were just starting when my kids were teenagers, that I would be on my phone when they were in the car with me, when they wanted to tell me about their day, and I'd be just a second, just a second, just a second. Boy, I wish I could take those times back. And I would give anything now to put that phone down and listen to them with my full attention. Because those years go by so fast. And when they want us, be there for them. Because now my kids are 27 and, and 30. And, you know, I'm not that important to them anymore. <laughs> I mean, not always important to them. But I really hope that people hear what I'm saying. Mm. Oh, I think we are. So over that time... When you step back from something so big, when you had so much offered right in front of you, you know, your own talk show, your own book deals, all of that, which so many of us define as success. And to be honest, you had been working for for a really long time. Over the coming years, did you ever have any moments of doubting that decision? Did I ever doubt? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Of course I did. <laughs> First of all, when you're human, you doubt. That's what humans do. We doubt. If you don't doubt, then you're a robot. And I don't think anybody listening is a robot. Of course I doubted. I mean, I, I, I'm going to tell you a story of one day. I don't, I think you've heard this before, but I remember one day when my kids, they were about two and five. I think Daniel was still in diapers. And I remember they were just out of sorts that day. And usually I didn't put them in front of the TV. This was definitely a TV day because I was like at the end of my rope, right? And they're both whiny. And so I said, okay, we're going to watch TV. What do you want to watch? And my daughter's go going, bounty, bounty. She had a speech impediment. She couldn't say her R's and she wanted to watch that big dinosaur thing, you know, bounty, bounty. <laughs> so I'm doing a channel check to find bounty. And all of a sudden I see... On the TV, one of my students on Oprah. And not only was he on Oprah, but he was demonstrating for Oprah the power of the mind using a demonstration that I had actually cognized in a meditation and uh, he had learned at my seminar. Now, let me be really clear here. When I left to be a full-time mom at home, I said to my students, take my stuff. The world needs it. Teach it to your heart's content. You don't have to give me credit. I just want the world to go on and learn this while I'm at home with my kids. But that day, here he was on Oprah with his best-selling book, and he had Oprah, and I had these two whiny kids on the couch 
knee deep in dirty diapers. You don't think I doubted myself? I mean, I had one time when three of my students had books in the top 10 on the New York Times bestseller list. You don't think I doubted that I had made the right decision? But I'm telling you, so I see this on Oprah and I burst into tears and I'm sobbing because at that moment I realized, I thought that I realized that I had ruined my life. And the only thing that got me out of my self-imposed pity party, like <laughs> Oprah, was my daughter. True story. My daughter goes, Mommy. I go, yes, sweetie. She goes, I think you forgot our popsicles. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I said, yes, I did. And then I found Bounty, and I went into the kitchen, and I'm pouring the, the orange juice into the mold. You know, those little popsicle molds. And I was mad at God. Like, how could you have done this to me? I have these two whiny kids and he has Oprah. And I have this image, you know, I say, you know, God spoke to me. And I, I stopped saying that because when people, when I say God spoke to me, they, they think of, you know, Charlton Heston and the Ten Commandments, like Moses, you know, no, God did not speak to me like that. When I say God spoke, it's just like a little impulse from the inside, like just from your heart, you get this little knowledge coming to you. And what the creator said to me was, remember the book. And I'm like, yes, I do remember the book. I have the best agent. And she was shopping it to the best publishers. And then this impulse said, no, 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 not that book. And I saw an image of a book that I had read a couple years before, and it was about a man who had actually died, and he was revived, and he came back. And in the story was that when he died, he went through that long tunnel of darkness, and then at the end, there was a being of light who said to him, would you like to see the high points of your life? And he said, yes, I would. And it was a very short, it was like a movie reel, but it was really short. It just showed him dancing with his daughter at her wedding and showing his son how to swing a baseball bat. And after the, he saw those images, he said to the being of light about when I brought my company public, what about when I opened the factories in Japan? What about, and the being of light said, all of those moments glorified you. And then he said, I would like to show you the, the life of somebody who you know, who also just passed on. And would you like to see it? And the man said, yes, I would. And he was like a little bit indignant, even in heaven. And in, in the book, it says that these curtains of golden light parted and they're sitting on a throne of golden light was the woman who used to clean his house. who used to take two or three buses just to get to his house to clean it for him. And the being of light said, you used to think of her as some poor, pathetic creature, but she was a very, very happy woman. And I'm going to show you a movie reel of the highlights of her life. And it showed her carrying a pot of soup to a sick friend. And it showed her stroking her mother's hair as her mother was making her transition into death. And it showed her comforting a sad child saying, it's going to be okay. And it showed her cheering at the baseball games for the kids whose parents couldn't be there because they had to work two or three jobs just to put food on the table. And it showed her just going to church and hugging everybody up and saying, how you doing today? And the being of light said to the man, when you get here, you discover that the only thing that matters is how much love you give. 
And when I saw that image in my mind's eye, I realized that I was doing the most important thing, which was giving love to these two little human beings. And yes, I doubted, but as you said in my introduction, each of us was put on earth for a reason. We each have our dharma. We were each given specific gifts. I was given the gift of being able to speak and being able to write. And just because I took those 21 years away, it didn't mean that my dharma was going away. And as you know, Amy, as soon as my kids said to me, okay, mom, you know, we're 18 and 21. You don't have to read Harry Potter to us when we go to bed at night. No, <laughs> I would have liked to, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I realized it was time that I had to let go, um, my dharma just was waiting there for me. And I started speaking again. And, and you know what? I'm an even better speaker because I have all of these delicious stories to share about motherhood and about my kids. Oh, I just love that so much. It is so reassuring. We feel like there is such a ticking time bomb that if we, if we don't move, things won't happen. We miss out on opportunities. We just have such this sense of worrying about the outside world's definition of what we should be doing that if we're not careful, and I think we're getting better and better at this as women around the globe, but if we're not careful, we miss such important years with our children. And as you point out, when you decide to step back into it again, it's there waiting, but even better because of the transformation you've been through. And the other thing I'm going to say, again, I am not saying that everybody should stay home and be a mom at home because another thing is, is that when I was home with my, my kids, but I did do something with a nonprofit or I got, you know, I received an award from one of the nonprofits that I was on the board for. My kids were so proud. My daughter, like, that's my mom. Mm. You know, our, our little girls, they love to see us achieve. They love to see us be powerful women. They love to see what the possibility is that we are modeling for them. So I just say, just make sure that when you are with them, give them your full attention. And when you're out in the world, then you can give that your full attention to and um, and everything will turn out fine, whatever path you choose, as that's long true. as you're following your heart. That's great. And that's a really great point to make, actually, that we're not saying that we all need to sacrifice our dreams completely for 18 years. That's absolutely not what we're saying, is it? It's more about listening to your heart and whatever that heart is saying, trusting that okay so maybe you can't take the big promotion at work right now because you're still in the early stages of motherhood or perhaps you had a particular dream that you thought you'd be there by now trust that it will still come do what you need to do right now to listen to that heart and follow what love feels like knowing yes. that there is a beautiful balance to be had there somewhere that is so beautifully said, Amy. That was absolutely perfect. And again, we are given our dreams. When we're given our dreams, 
along with the dream is we are given the ability to fulfill that dream. You know, God, the creator is not a trickster. The mm -hmm. creator is not going to say, I'm going to give you a dream, but I am not giving you the ability to fulfill it. Ha ha ha. Mm -hmm. Jokes on you. No, we're given that in one fell swoop. But the way that we're going to live those dreams is if we follow the impulses of our hearts. Oh, beautiful that is such a beautiful way to sum it up and so one last thing before you go what would you say to a mama who is still at that stage of the diaper as you would say in america and they're trying to find the right tv channel for the show and really just feeling like the world is passing her by like everybody is just doing all of these amazing things and she's just in this place of oh my gosh where did i go and what happened to me what would you say to her that everything will happen in perfect timing mm -hmm. can i tell one more quick story of course please I know our, our time is almost up but there's a story from the kabbalah which is the jewish mystical text and um and it's a story about a man who says to god god i want to serve you i want to do your work on earth tell me what to do and god says to the man i want you to push a rock and the man thought that was a really odd thing for God to say, but being an overachiever, he went and he found the biggest boulder that he could possibly find, and he started pushing it. And he pushed it for a few minutes, and then he pushed it for a couple hours, and then he pushed it for the full day, and it didn't move. But he had committed to God, and he had committed to this particular boulder, so he didn't want to give up, so he pushed it for a week, and then he pushed it for a month, and then he pushed it for a few months and it still didn't move and finally he gave up and when god saw he had given up said to him why did you give up and the man said well nothing happened and god said what do you mean nothing happened you are not the same person that you were when you started you're stronger physically you're stronger mentally you're an example for people of how not to give up you've learned persistence you've grown so much and, and then the man said yes but the rock didn't move and then God said I didn't tell you to move the rock I said push the rock mm -hmm. I'll move it when the time is right and sometimes when we are just changing, I, what do you call them, nappies? When you are changing those nappies and you are spit up on and you are seeing your friends on the New York Times bestseller list, just know that your dream is waiting for you and the creator will move it when the time is right. And the way that, that we can know that we are living a life worth living is enjoy every moment, have gratitude. And let me tell you guys, most of my friends, and this is the truth, who have New York Times bestseller books and who are, you know, some household names, none of them have children. And if the truth be known, they all wish that they had what I have. <laughs> and what you all have.
So just hold those babies close to you and thank God that you have the most precious gift in the world. Your dharma is not going to go away. Give as much love as you possibly can and it will be waiting for you on the other side. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Ah, yes, most important message. Thank you. I so appreciate the time that you've taken to speak to all of us, Deborah. Thank you. Well, thank you, and thank you for the work you're doing on behalf of all us mamas. Ah, thank you. Okay, mamas, I think you can hear in my voice just how emotional that interview was for me. I really hope that you too were inspired and comforted by Deborah's story, by the way that we can honor ourselves as well as be the mother we want to be. Our Dharma will wait for us. As long as we listen to our heart and do what really feels like we must do in this time, the universe will support us and all of it will be waiting for us when it's time to come back. I truly believe that. I have seen that in my own life 11 years later. It is all coming together finally now. So if you are in the stage of motherhood and in life where you're not sure how all of these pieces of you are going to fit together, trust that it will. The universe's timing will be perfect. And follow your heart. If you know any mama that is struggling with the reality of the different parts of herself, please send her this podcast. Share it. These are the conversations we need to be having. Satnam. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.